Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's shaking, Red Nation? This is Jeremy Brenner for another episode of The Dream Take, presented by the Dream Shake of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Another Rockets loss tonight, the 59th of the season. But like every game in this four-game homestand, Michael Brown, we've got a lot to talk about. Yes, sir. Sorry, I was having some green room issues before. All good, all good. Um, We're here now. Initial thoughts. uh, Good for Silas, man. That's exactly what I wanted to see from Silas about 65 games ago. He He showed emotion. Like he show first of all, always a pleasure to be on with you. Um, like I can't tell you how long I've wanted to see that from Silas. And it, it I don't care if you want to call it boiled over. Like I don't care. Like he showed a backbone tonight and he stood up for his guys, and I love that. Yeah. So those calls were that, egregious. So to preface that for those who who <clears throat> didn't watch the game or didn't watch the end of the game, so there were about two or three consecutive possessions where the Rockets were on the wrong end of a pretty bad call. Silas goes from the bench to the opposite side of the floor and he gets ejected. I want to say it's the first ejection he's had in his, I can't remember a time where he's been ejected. It might've been one time last season, but I, I I don't remember these individual games like I do last season because they just are not games I want to remember, but yeah, we saw a different side of Silas tonight for sure, and it was an interesting one. And and another thing too, like the Rockets lose this game one thirty nine one thirty two, but they gave up one hundred and sixteen points in the first three quarters. And look, Minnesota is the best offensive team since January first, so that's that's part of it. But the Rockets had every reason to mail this one in in the fourth quarter, and they chose not to. They were within, you know, eight points. They had a three-possession game with, like, three minutes to go. They had a shot at this one, Mike, despite being down, you know, 20-plus for uh, a chunk of the game. Yeah, they they fought. I mean, that's all you can ask for this late in the season. And, man, good for them. Good on Jalen. Jalen Green is going to be a superstar in this league. It, it's Jalen Green, 31 points tonight, four consecutive games of 30 or more. It's getting to a point now where it's an expectation that he's going to get 20, 30 points. Yeah. And to see it as consistently as he's been is really gratifying to see. It's It's been special to watch for sure. I was a little surprised. I don't know about you, unless I missed something. Why did Bruno Fernando not play tonight? Because – Alperon Shangun returned after his two-game absence from his 
contusion. He played pretty solid, 14 and 15 for him tonight. He had 10 re- – he had a double-double in the first half. He also didn't get into foul trouble, which is something that was – uh, you know, a problem for him early on in the season. So it was really good to see that he wasn't getting in that foul trouble. He did pick up two fouls at the end that were kind of suspect. Maybe should have been a uh, a foul on the other way, but he was able to, he had two fouls for less than two fouls for most of the game that tonight. And then Garuba got his backup minutes. He had six points off the bench, six boards for him. Decent night for Garuba, but mainly like, the 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 five man lineup that I kind of want to discuss is the five man lineup that I think is the most popular one among Rockets Twitter right now and one that we've wanted to see for a while. So that starting five, Kevin Porter, well, I wouldn't say starting five necessarily, but just five, a closing five. Kevin Porter, twenty one points tonight, eight assists, eight turnovers, which is a bit of a not a good night for him on that in that department, but. A solid night for him. Obviously, we had Jalen 31, Shangoon 14 and 15. KJ Martin had 11 points off the bench, but Josh Christopher, a 30 piece for Gup, Mike. 30 for Josh Christopher. What a night for him. He's a fighter. And fighter's a very good word to use for him. You know, he he's the type of guy that I've I've felt this way about Carl Anthony Towns for a while. Like he's a fake tough guy. So is D'Angelo Russell. Anthony Edwards is a nice player. Like Patrick Beverly is the heart and soul of that team. He's that type of guy that you need on your roster that won't back down from anybody. Josh Christopher will not back down from anybody at any time over anything. And I think that's what I like so much about what the Rockets did tonight. Um, And I'm sure we'll get into that in a few. But specifically about Christopher, I mean – 30 points, but also 11 of 14 from the field, including three of five from An the three-point line. Yeah, and he was a positive plus minus, you know? And he, obviously, he's a he's going to be a big part of the Rockets' future. Um, he had a great game tonight. KJ Martin, I thought, played really well. Um, but Christopher probably one of his three best games of the year, if not his best game of the year definitively. Mm-hmm. I would say I'd agree with that. Yeah. And the thing is with the Rockets is like the offense is not going to be the problem with this team. No, not no, going to be the problem with this team. The no. defense is the problem. And I get it. Yes. Minnesota, the number one offense since January 1st, you still gave up almost 60% from the field tonight for Minnesota. Not, not ideal, Mike. And it's very hard to win basketball games when you allow the other team to shoot nearly 60% from the field. Well, 80 points and a half is unacceptable. Um, and we know this, right? Like we know going into next year, not to deviate too much from tonight's game, but a lot of what we're going to talk about now has to do with next year and beyond. It's got to start. There was one play that, basically summed up the season for me. And it was when Kevin Porter Jr. in the first half got beat by Anthony Edwards at the top of the key. He just gave just unacceptable effort trying to stop the ball. And there was no rim protection. That's what a guy defending the rim can help with so much, which is what this team needs, is just somebody at the rim to challenge shots. They don't even have that right now. Yeah, the thing with the thing with Minnesota and what makes their offense so good is that they use their 
defense to to put them into strong positions in offense. They forced uh, 24 turnovers tonight, and they scored 24 points off of those turnovers. 17 points in the fast break. So they and they have good like their three point shooters have have improved lately. Uh, you know Jordan McLaughlin who struggled throughout the year he he made three of four tonight from three. Jalen Noel like these guys like the thing with Minnesota though is like I don't think McLaughlin and and Noel are really going to be part of that uh, about that postseason rotation. I don't. I don't know a whole lot about Minnesota, to be honest with you. Not someone that can talk about them like I do the Rockets, obviously. But that's the thing with them is is they have Russell, Towns, and Aunt Edwards that can all go for 30 on any given night. And tonight, he had 33. Towns had 28. Like, I understand. Like, it doesn't really surprise me that they have the number one offense in the league because – of the ways that they can beat you. They can beat you in a lot of different ways. And they don't need to play that much defense because they're gonna they're gonna they want to they want to beat you in a track meet because they know that they can beat you in that. And for the Rockets, like like Minnesota is a good team, Mike. And and I know that you might hate me for saying that or whatever, but you know, they're a decent team. I don't know if I don't know if they're gonna make it past the first round, but I think they'll give whichever team they play in the first round a, a decent series, I'd say probably. I think they can push just a team like Golden State to six games. I think Golden not- State is actually a really good matchup for them because they have no size whatsoever. Carl Anthony Towns will feast in that series if that's the case. And you and Beverly is a decent like you're not going to stop Steph Curry, but you get a guy like Beverly on Curry. I, I mean, I'm kind of. Going off a tangent, this is a Houston Rockets podcast. Let's bring it back. Yeah. To what? No, but but it's also but it's also with the you know in that example, it's all about Steph Curry's health at this point. Yeah. But until until proven otherwise, Edward, you know, Minnesota has done nothing in the last ten years. Um, they're they're not. What am I trying to say? Like, yeah, they're a team that I could see pushing a yeah. you know whoever they're playing. To six games, possibly. But to bring seven. it back, to bring it back to the Rockets tonight in tonight's game, the reason why the Rockets are a bad, are, are the Wolves are a bad matchup for the Rockets, is because they don't really have much of an answer for for Towns inside, right? Um, and and someone like Anthony Edwards, is, is, in my eyes, is is very similar to Jalen Green, just someone that is is really difficult to stop. So they they have that. And then Russell's a guy that, you know, so like I understand why that is, but also like Minnesota left the door open for Houston tonight and they almost, and the Rockets nearly did something with it. Control your turnovers. You win the game tonight. I mean, turnovers. Or, or play not hot dog water defense. There it is. Oh my God. By the way, offseason task number one, dream shake hot dog water shirts. I'm in. Um, an idea but, in the works, but I mean, you showed, what is, you made sixteen for the tonight. worst defense in the league. This was the best offense in the league against the worst defense in the league. All the Rockets have to do to become a playing team is be in the top twenty in defense. I mean, yeah. twenty teams make it to at least the play-in. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but like we're talking about just a slight improvement. 
that's what needs improvement. The offense is only the offense. I think is at a point right now where it can be pretty steady. And, and I do think that there is room for improvement even on offense as well, which is crazy, but the defense is what needs to improve. And with Kevin Porter being where he is, like I have no doubts about Kevin Porter, Jalen Green, Josh Christopher. Like when the Rockets are good, that will be the guard rotation. No, that I, should it's be the different. guard rotation. Well, that should be it, the guard rotation. I don't like those should be the the three guards. You need to have at least two of them on the court at all times. Sometimes put all three of them out there. They work. They work together really well. Um, the chemistry with this team should not be left unnoticed. It really is uh, a strong chemistry. And if they bring in a guy like Boncaro, who already is boys with KPJ, it's only going to get better. And that, to me, like, whoever they get in this draft is going to be super important because they need they need someone that – whoever they bring in this year is just their primary – their primary duty should be defense because that's what this team needs more than anything right now. The offense is there. They scored a buck 32 tonight. Like, and look, I'm Minnesota's not a great defensive team. So that's not the best example to, to say on it, but just defense, man, they need more defense. And that's why a guy like Garuba is worth keeping around too. Um, you know, keeping like defensive minded players, or who the team needs to add. Once those guys come in, it's a wrap from here. Well, yeah, I get where you're coming from. And that's why, like, the scary part to – not scary. What's what's the word I'm trying to say? Like, you have a guy like that. Like, you have a guy like David Nawaba already on your roster. Yeah, but Mike, you're not like David Nawaba. Well, no, no, no. I, but what I'm going to say is that he doesn't fit the timeline. But those are the types of guys that you need. High-effort defensive minded type of guys. And that's Jay why Sean Tate. Jay Sean Tate is one of those guys. Um, now I will say this, Jerry, like he didn't start tonight. I think going into next year, it's a wrap for me, unless you upgrade that position. KJ Martin should be your starting one of your starting forwards next season. Tate needs to come off the bench. See, KJ, if you're, you're going to be bad defensively, like this year, you're terrible defensively, and I love Tate. Tate is still going to be an integral part of your team, but look at the numbers, man. I mean, KJ ended up playing 27 minutes, and Tate played 21 minutes. And Tate wasn't in foul well, yeah, trouble. Because, he only had three fouls. The reason why that happened is because is because Silas kept with that unit in the fourth quarter that Correct. brought them back into the game. So that's Correct. why that's why KJ had more minutes there than than Tate. Which I like. I, I think, mean, that's that's the right minute allocation. I think Tate could fit in either the starting lineup or in the bench role. The the starting lineups have been pretty good. Like we've seen, like we've seen the Rockets the last couple of games. I'm like trying to, you know, like in the first quarters against the Kings, they played really well in the first quarter. I don't know if that's a Tate versus Martin kind of thing. I have to look more into it. I know a lot of people are clamoring for KJ to be that starting four, and I'm not necessarily against it, but I also have to or, or be the starting three. I just think it's like a matchup thing too. Like I think like some matchups like against like Cleveland where they play with three bigs, I think KJ makes a lot of sense instead of Tate and Tate comes off the bench as your first guy off the bench. But at the same time, like, 
I don't necessarily know if it really matters that much because I do think that Tate and KJ are in very similar positions. So like, I don't want this to become another like Demo versus Terrence Jones kind of debate because no, I really no, no, don't no, no, think no. it's that. I think they're both. I think they're both better than both of those guys were. But that's I fair. mean, it's. I, I think it's the point though. Well, that's honestly kind of what the debate is in a way because you're looking at who do you have as your fifth starter, and both guys have upside. The reason why, like last season, when I was kind of team team Tate starting, and, and for most of this season. It's because KJ's a guy that has proven to be like a high energy guy that can give you a boost off the bench. And I think that's what Silas sees in him is he's a guy that can give you a real spark, spark plug off the bench. He could do that in the starting lineup as well. But like to me, like I don't necessarily know if there's that much of a difference, Mike. I I really don't. But obviously you want KJ there. So I'm going to give you the give you the mic. And you're going to stand up on the soapbox and be the voice of the fans as you are and explain why KJ should be the starting four. So one thing that you just said is both guys have upside. I actually don't believe that to be the case with Jay Sean Tate. I think Jay Sean Tate has hit his ceiling of what he is in the league. And I not think defensively. Um, and that's, not, that's why yeah. you start Jay Sean Tate is because he is a superior defender. But it's also, you can deploy, I agree with you. I think both guys are deployable at, in certain situations, but I think we've only scratched the surface of KJ Martin. Yeah. They both have upside, but KJ has more upside. I would agree with you. Yeah. And that's why to me, next year is so important about improving at the margins. And what I mean by that is you're obviously terrible protecting the rim, improve with a guy you're improving at the margin there. What are you getting from, um, I know you hate, you know, putting, you know, titles on positions, but at your forward spot, right? At your three and at your four, I think the Rockets have been okay this year. They have not been great. How can you improve at the margins with those guys? But you go and you draft the guy and they're probably going to draft the guy pretty high. Exactly. So look at that, man. So think about if you, if you improve with, if KJ is a more impressive starter, than Jay Shantae, which I believe to be the case. If you look at the, and I hate being numbers guy, I just, I don't believe in the numbers in a lot of cases. I passed the eyeball test. KJ would thrive in a starting role with the guys on the court that you would have. You know, imagine putting KJ next to a guy like a Jabari Smith or a uh, Paolo Boncaro. There's going to be so many more open shots. Look how much he's improved his three-point shot this year. KJ is no slouch defensively. He's a decent rebounder. Jay Sean defensively is superior to KJ, but his offensive output is so limited right now that I'd rather take the chance with KJ. But that's another reason to start Jay Sean Tate is because sometimes you need, uh, you need, like, if Jay Sean Tate's out there, that allows you to, that allows Kevin Porter to cook, that allows Jalen Green to cook. If you put Jay Sean Tate in the bench, then you force him to be more of a like you you sacrifice the defense that you get in the second unit and that and you supply less offense in that second unit. The fact that Josh Christopher is here though does change things for me. Yeah. I think like I right. think Josh Christopher 
look, this is a very, it's a very good problem to have. I really don't think that there is a wrong answer to either way. I don't think the Rockets are like that much better or worse either way. But I am curious because I will do a little bit more research on on the topic, I think, Mike, during the offseason and well, maybe also, for some of our last episodes here before the, the season wraps up. Real quick, you brought up the fact that was going to be my last point was Christopher being on the bench to me actually allows you to move Tate to that to that spot because it's also not because about there is that offensive output getting the guys you know allowing more opportunities for your guards to cook right it's also KJ is a much better cutter to the rim than Jay Sean Tate is Jay Sean Tate gets a lot of his points by and I love the spin move but he's got to take the ball from the the arc to the basket himself KJ can create his own shot you know whether it's a dunk whether it's on the you know, on the fast break, whether it's, you know, hitting the outside shot. Mm, well, get, mm, I don't know. I mean, creating your own shot. I feel like Jay Sean Tate does that better than sorry. KJ. Well, I'm just using it as a whole, right? I think KJ offensively is superior to Tate in the sense that he's KJ obviously can do, a, a, KJ can do more things that Jay correct. Sean Tate cannot. And I, I like having that, those types of options in your starting lineup, especially yeah. if you can get a rim protector in the draft, which I think that they will. That's going to change so many things for this team going into next season. I think if you get Chet and Chet ends up being your rim protector, I could see a scenario where you can put KJ in the starting. I feel more comfortable putting KJ in the starting lineup if you get a Chet. If you get Boncaro, though, I like it. But I do think that you would need a little bit more defense in that starting five. So I would put Tate there. But again, it's it's a it's it all comes down to matchups. It comes down to which five match together. It and the draft pick does predicate a lot of that. I think that's why we can't really come up with a solid answer at this point because the team is still a work in progress and we're still trying to figure out how this team is gonna be next season. And we'll get answers to that in due time. But I think we've got it tonight. I really don't have much else on the docket, though. Um, but we only have three more games, Mike. And, you know, this game on Tuesday, though, against Brooklyn might be the most important. Why is that? Well, it's Brooklyn. I don't particularly enjoy Brooklyn. Um, also, the Nets hold a lot of draft. Uh, implications for the Rockets as well. With the Rockets holding the Nets pick this season, the Nets right now are 10th in the East, holding on to a play-in spot. The Rockets can hand them one more loss, keep them down there. Maybe it maybe it affects the draft standings. Who knows? But I think the Rockets are going to go in very, very motivated, especially considering how they lost this game tonight on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I just want them to win one of these last three. You yeah. know, I, I think, you know, the the between the last show and tonight, I had to come to Jesus meeting about what you said internally with the win-loss column. Like tonight, I saw it. I saw what you saw the other night. And at this point, I mean, you look at the league. The Rockets are 20 and 59. The Magic are 20 and 59. It's basically coming down to us in Orlando, right? For the 
the worst pick or for the number one pick in the draft. Yes. Best odds, right? And so if you're the Rockets, go win a game. Just win one of the last three, and I'm happy. If they end the, the season losing three in a row, they would just leave a really sour taste in my mouth. OKC and Detroit both won tonight. So that yeah. gives even more of a cushion for uh, for the Rockets here. So last, so basically the top three teams get the same amount of odds to the number one pick. That's not what we're looking at here. But the only difference between the number one slot and the number two slot, the number one slot, the floor is number five. So you have a top five pick no matter what. And the chances you end up in the top three hover around, I think it's 42%. Yeah, it's the odds. 40, 40%. So you had a 40% chance at the number one pick or at, the, at a top three pick if you're in the number one or the number two slot. I think you also. If, you are, if you're the number two pick, there's a 20% chance you end up with the sixth pick, which is still a really good pick. It's a good pick. I think if you're but a you Rockets need the top fan. Three. If you're a Rockets fan, if they end up with the worst record in the league, you have got, if you're looking on the positive side of the penny, you got to look at this thing and say, is there any way that the NBA will not give the Rockets a number one pick after last year being the worst team in the league by five games and not getting the number one pick? It's all about those ping pong balls. It's about the ping pong balls. I, I personally don't see it. I, uh, if the Rockets we'll end, yeah, if they end up with the worst record in the league, I will go on record saying right now there's no way in hell they don't get the number one pick in the draft. It's a we'll see right kind now. of thing, and because the thing is with the Rockets is like when it comes to the draft, I don't, I haven't really been like super focused on the top three, only because we don't know where we're gonna pick. Like we don't even know if we'll have a choice. Like yeah, if we yeah. end up with the number three pick. And like Detroit takes one of the guys and Orlando takes the second of the guys. And then the Rockets, the Rockets are basically just given the rest, like the third option. So then we don't even have to think about who's the best fit, who's the best fit here, because it's, we're going to, our pick is essentially going to be chosen by the two teams in front of us. And if we don't even get one of those picks, then it's like, well, all right, after the top three, let's see who we can look at. I like Keegan Murray personally for the Rockets, but that's that's totally, you know, my preference. But also at the same time, I haven't done a whole lot of research. So that's what we're looking at in the offseason. We're going to get a lot of talk. We're already talking about offseason plans, Mike and I. So we're really excited about what we've got in store for you guys. But we're going to park the rocket ship for tonight. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this episode of The Dream Take. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Dream Take and DreamShake SBN. You can also head to our Facebook page, give us a like over there, and head to our website, thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets, on SBNation.com. And we'll be back Tuesday. I am on deck for Tuesday. Mike's got the night off. But, Mike, before you go, be sure to follow, uh, be sure to follow him on Twitter at Podcast underscore MB. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E. NER. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this episode of the Dream Take. And until next time, go Rockets! Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.